So start thinking about it in your business. It's like, okay, fit pros want to make money, but what else do they have to worry about? What else can you bring to them that your competitors aren't bringing because everyone's just focusing on that one core desire? If you just want to fill the list with the right people, we'll just start asking yourself what would the right people want outside of your core offer. It's a great way to sound different. You're listening to The Traffic and Funnel Show. We are going to welcome Ashton back up to the stage where he has some fun stuff planned. They're going to answer some questions. All right, here we go. Oh, well, sweet, sweet, man. That thing is like right here at that table. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Let's move the table over here a little bit. Ah, how's everyone feeling? Good. There we go. What up, Daniel? How are you, man? Good. <laughs> amazing first off uh you know thank you so much for everyone who came out found the time make the travel i don't know about you but i hate traveling so anytime i travel it's kind of a big deal and uh so thank you so much for coming out and uh i know from our team it's an it's been an absolute uh joy to get in this room with you guys for a few days uh dealing with entrepreneurs which is ultimately my passion. Uh, I love working with business owners, helping business owners. But uh, And I know for a lot of you too, it's always good to get in a room with other people that know what you're going through. Uh, even if not specifically, just the way of life that we've chosen, uh, which is a unique way of life that we've chosen. We've chosen to take on an intense amount of risk. Uh, and typically it always starts out uh, with the vision for ourselves and what we can do. And but one of the cool things about entrepreneurship and owning a business and just being in, in leadership in general is that it typically starts out for you, but it quickly starts to change and, and develop for team and other people and the people we employ. And so it's, uh, it's always a great honor just to help you guys and, and be with you. Uh, but this is maybe even a selfish move for me just because it's always nice to get in a room with other people who think the same way and uh, we're a unique breed. Right. So with that said, let's go ahead and just kind of get kicked off with some questions and uh, we'll dive through. And then, you know, going towards the end, I'm going to wrap up and kind of uh, do some vision casting for you guys. Show you show you what we've been working on behind the scenes. So let's jump in. What questions? There we go. Uh, I got two. So which one do you want to start with first? The, uh, the, the high level number or two. the super tactical? Okay. All right. Number two. We'll start with number two. <laughs> Who does number two work for? Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go to Austin Powers, anyone? Um, we'll, we'll go with number two, the, uh, the tactical question. So anytime you are preparing for a new campaign, I'm curious, what is your process before you hit go? So offer is validated. Um, but you're going to, you know, new channel, new ad campaign, new hooks, new, you know, what's your, what's your process before you actually start spending money on a new campaign? And, uh, do we already know the offer and what we're selling at this point? Um, uh, the, there, there's a, an, an original offer that's been validated, but we want to kind of like test a new variant of that offer, new version of the offer. Okay, cool. And, uh, Sorry for specifics because they do matter. Is yep. the, the did the original campaign work? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Good question. So, so the original campaign is done about three, four million a year, um, fully organic. So uh, the 
the the offer works with organic, just hasn't been tested with paid yet. Great. So, okay. You no know, inbound referral traffic. Cool. So if I had a, an offer that I knew was working and it was working organically, I think the probably the first thing I would try to outline is um, what about my current market uh, is excited about. It. Example, like how do they think in general? Because if it's coming from organic, it's coming from your most indoctrinated crowd, uh, people that have followed you the most. Um, and so typically it's trying to outline like what about our, our crowd or our tribe uh, thinks uh, that we would try to bring out into advertising. Um, because a lot of times we'll see uh, offers that do really, really well organic and then they just flop when it goes to pay traffic because the advertiser did not first align what does my market currently believe? Uh, what is their current worldview? Um, do they believe making money is hard? You know, a lot of times organic markets in, in our space or biz op spaces, they don't actually believe making money is hard because they're actually in your tribe and they think the way you think. So first, what do they believe about what I'm trying to offer? Uh, then the next thing is normally uh, I try to figure out what the stage of sophistication is for that market. So um, for those of you who don't nerd out on marketing like me, stages of sophistication is essentially just the classification of uh, what is my market already seen? So what do my competitors currently say about what I'm trying to build? So what are the claims that they're used to seeing? Uh, what kind of angles are they used to seeing? What kind of pain points are they used to seeing from other advertisers? And then I'm normally trying to align with that. Um, and then the next thing is state of awareness from uh, Eugene Schwartz's concept, state of awareness. Uh, again, for everyone else, real quickly, there's five states of awareness that he says every market has. First state is completely unaware. Next state is problem aware. Next state is solution aware. Next state is product aware. And then finally, fully aware. So I need to figure out where is my market currently at? Because if they're not aware of their solution yet, then I need to pull on the problem specifically to guide them through. So it's just aligning that messaging. Cool, cool. And then um, do you have anything, any sort of like numbers or anything you're looking to test initially with a new campaign in terms of whether it's how much you'll, you'll spend or any sort of early indicators for, hey, we're going to keep moving with this campaign uh, versus we're going to kill it right away? Yeah, so it's always going to be reverse engineered math. So what do we actually want out of it? And then based on what we want out of it, what would be the required metrics to hit that? So similar with how uh, Heather analyzes calls and how many book calls do we need, it's the same thing for me on the advertising side. So example, um, let's say you're doing a, uh, a VSL opt-in or a webinar opt-in. Well, I would expect us to have around a 25 to 30% opt-in rate. If we're in that target, great. So then if we have that opt-in rate and we want, let's say, to meet your booked call application cost of 250, well then how many leads would I need if we're converting people at about 10% into application? So if I need 10%, that means I need 10 leads. And if I have a $250 cost per book call, that means I can only afford a $25 cost per lead. And if I'm having a $25 cost per lead, well then how many people need to hit this website? So then if how many people need to hit that website, what can I afford on a cost per click level to get to my ultimate $250 cost per application? Yeah. And if and where that's broken, are you typically fixing kind of closest to the top of the funnel? Um, or it depends or what metric feels broken. So sometimes I might be seeing that, hey, we're actually getting a $25 cost or conversion rate into VSL. Then for me, that's not the problem. Then that means my click costs are too high. My click costs are too high. Most of the time, that's either my headline or my creative uh, is not driving enough clicks. 
Um, but then I'm really looking in the ads manager, right? Because I could have a cheap cost per click all, which means people are actually opening the copy, but my cost per unique outbound click is like $8, which means my copy wasn't convincing enough. They're clicking on it, I'm getting their attention, but I'm not doing that. Um, and if my click-through rate is low, typically for me, uh, if it's below 1%, I'm starting to think I should be looking at the ads. I would like always a, a click-through rate higher than 1%. And if that's in line, then typically somewhere is a gap between messaging, meaning if my click-through rate is high, but my opt-in rate is low, my ad is probably presenting something that my landing page is not congruent with. Right. Their ad was enticing, but I got to the landing page and I'm like, that's not what I was thinking. That makes sense? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I think congruence is huge all the way through. Um, thank you. All right, so the, the second, or the first question, rather, the, the, the high-level question um, is around business model. And I'm curious with the different business models that you've been uh, a part of and built on your own. Similarly, like going into a new ad campaign, going into a new, uh, whether it's a, um, an innovation because of the, the offer or a brand new business completely. I know you've got a couple different brands under the kind of Heman brand. What has been your process for making those kind of like business model decisions and like, Hey, here's how we're going to, we're, we're going to move forward with the agency business, or we're going to move to training or here's how we're going to productize, uh, and monetize, um, and, and if you have any specifics around those kind of stories, that, that would be helpful. And the reason I asked that question is around the, the market movers conversation, right? It's a, um, there's a lot to be defined on what we could build with that product. So there's potential for ad revenue, paid newsletter, done for you newsletter services. There, there's, a, there's a whole plethora of like what we could do. Uh, and I'm trying to rein myself into like pick one and go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with us, I, I'm a, I'm a, Big proponent of flywheels. So um, does everyone know what flywheels are, right? Want to say flywheel? So the ascension of the idea of a flywheel, or did you just think about those those pinwheels that you would hold in the wind, right? As, as the wind blows one of the little propellers, it naturally propels the next one and naturally propels the next one. So inside of business, I'm always looking for what can I create that naturally propels the other person or the other thing. So as one gets better, the next one naturally just gets better. So um, for me, inside of like Heman, the way we started was the the agency. And I think that really started more out of necessity than anything. It was just a natural next step for me. Um, but then as we were building the agency, we were actually having trouble hiring uh, media bars. Uh, it was very difficult for me. And in the beginning, I actually thought that the solution to building a good agency was just good media bars. And so when I started out, I went and we started growing really fast. I think, you know, we hit uh, 100K in revenue a month in about 80 days. And so we just like grew at really breakneck speed. And so my solution to scaling the agency was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go out and hire, you know, top media buyers from big agencies and pay them 120, 150K a year. And that'll be my solution to scale. Um, but when I went out and I started hiring media buyers, and some of you guys have maybe experienced this, you went out and then they suck. Like, it was terrible. You know what I mean? And like, these were people I'm paying a lot of money that were coming from these top agencies that just came in and, and did terrible. And what I realized was that if I wanted the media bars that I expected from my team, I needed to, to train them and to build them. And so um, I found my sweet spot for going, let me find hungry people and then I can train them. And if they follow my system, they'll become really good. And so I started working on that. And eventually it actually 
produced really good results. People started coming into my agency, never spending more than 15,000 in a month. And like three to four months, they're spending north of half a million and crushing. it. And so I, at that point, kind of realized maybe I have something here. Maybe this is actually a valuable solution that maybe other people are, are having issues with. But so the creation of Heman X, the, the media bar marketing training program was actually just a solution that I needed for myself that I realized other people might need. But after I took a step back, what I realized was that we were creating this flywheel of as the agency gets better and we get more clients and we spend more money, we're getting all these unique strategies, we update our trainings, and then now our team is getting better because they're going through those trainings. But now it's actually improving another company by nature just because it's getting better trainings and it's getting better content. And then the more people that are there and are getting good results from our marketing, the more our marketing ability is building reputation. And so now we're actually seeing a lot of clients that are coming through Heman X that are now becoming clients of Heman Media because our reputation is just building. And so now you just have this flywheel of as one company gets better, it naturally grows the other company just by pure momentum. And so for us, that's what we continue to look to do is how do we build companies that will just naturally feed another company and get better. So that's, you know, we're creating human content. We have human email marketing department and human creative agency now. Um, and so even with traffic and funnels and, and sales mentor, all of that stuff now feeds each other because now we're building this perfect combination between marketing and sales and they just will feed each other. So long answer, but is like, how can I find little things that will just naturally without my effort, just build the other company on accident? Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Ashton, we have three questions from Sunny on Facebook. Okay. The first one is, do you typically prepare ads in advance to test even if you have ads that are working, or do you wait for a certain number of ads to fatigue before you start creating new ones? His platform is primarily YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always creating ahead of time. Um, you know, even if you find a really good creative and, and sometimes you'll find unicorns that can last months and months and months. But I typically like the assumption that about every two and a half to three weeks, I'm going to need something new, um, and something creative. Now, what you really need to focus on for a lot of people is they neglect on, uh, retargeting and they, they think they focus a lot on the top of funnel. But if you think about true cold traffic, the whole concept of cold traffic is that they haven't seen you before. And so I think if you focus on cold, you can get away with cold ads a lot longer. Um, but your retargeting should be refreshed even, even more. Um, because those in a given week, most people are seeing, you know, that ad can hit someone four to six times in a single week. That's where you really need to build a lot of content. And so always pre-plan, always expect um, that it's going to go down. Uh, and then it always, you know, you can, it's always better to have more than, than less. Awesome. He also wants to know when determining if an ad, when an ad is fatigued, do you primarily look at CPC and CTR to determine this or are there other metrics to consider? Yeah, if you, you can look at CPC and, and CTR and those will kind of go down, but those are really just more of indicators of when someone sees an ad, what's the performance of it. Um, the real keys that I look at is, is both frequency. So in the frequency column, it'll show you how many times someone's seen an ad or a user has seen that ad within a given time period. But also at the ad set level, if you click on the insights section, it'll actually show you uh, audience saturation and first time impression ratio. 
first time impression ratio is how often uh, when this ad is being delivered, is it the first time someone's seen this ad? And for me, I always want that above 70%. When I see the first time impression ratio dropping below 70%, typically that means something needs to change because that ad, Facebook is now just starting to show it to the same people over and over again. Um, and his last question is, how much time and spend do you give to a new ad before you determine it's not effective and you're given the alg algorithm enough time to work? So that's a two-part question, right? Um, because uh, a lot of people will, there's two ways you're going to run advertising on any platform. Because at the end of the day, these are algorithmic-based ad platforms. And so there is a way, way to run ads that is algorithmically correct for machine learning but then there is just a pure advertising side to it. Um, because at, at real scope, if we were trying to go what is best for the algorithm, um, Facebook would say it's 50 conversions per week, right? Um, but if your application cost is $250, a lot of people don't wanna have to spend 250 times 50 per week just to see if something's a winner or a loser. But technically speaking, that is what Facebook says they need in order to make a good decision. And so when you're running campaigns, you have to try to figure out your own pain tolerances. Um, but I would say, you know, from a best practice standpoint, what they say is that you've got to let it run at minimum seven days and you need those 50 conversions uh, for it to exit learning phase because that's when they say you can actually really hold it accountable. Because if you cut it early uh, before it reaches out of learning phase, uh, then technically speaking, their algorithm is still optimizing. But we've all heard that before, and you've all tried that before, and yeah, no, it's not a good way to run it. I would say typically for me internally, it's, uh, it's realistically about a 3x CPA target. If it's spent three times more than what I want it to be getting as far as a CPA, and it's still not reaching it, then I'm looking at the leading indicators. So is my click-through rates in pocket? Is my cost per click in pocket? And if those are in pocket, then sometimes it could just mean you need a different account structure, a different campaign structure. Um, but if it, those things are out of pocket, then I kill. Um, but I also, uh, just as a caveat too, I also would rather make a decision fast and make a wrong decision fast uh, than let it bleed. I'm a little bit more aggressive when I run ads. Um, so I would rather see something. If I don't like it halfway through the day, I'm going to pause it. The next day, I'm going to resume it. And if it still crashes or it still does not meet where I want it to do, I'll cut it again and I'll just move on. I could be leaving money on the table, but I also am comfortable with the idea of I'd rather make a fast decision and save money than just letting something bleed and then not correcting. Cool. What else? Nothing. Easy. You guys got it all out of you, huh? Bring it. Yeah, what's your approach to just manufacturing fame, getting more people to see? So we've built primarily our coaching program on organic content, but it's not being amplified with ads. So what would you, what's the, what's the strategy there? Is it just to get, start spending a certain percentage of money on all of our free content, our best free content, then retarget them? I feel like we've run out of people who've, uh, the lead quality just seems to diminish over time. So how do, how, what's the strategy to set up to ensure there's new eyeballs seeing our best content, getting nurtured. So when we retarget them, they're ready. Yeah. So the, the 
your main question is how do we get more reach? How do, yeah, manufacture fame. Yeah, exactly. Manufacture yeah. fame. Yeah, yeah, more reach. Great, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the free content right now, what is kind of the, the main idea of it? Like what is it presenting to them? I think they're just watching. I think when we were running ads before, they were just running them to my popular YouTube videos. But we didn't have like lead magnets set up. It, it wasn't very strict. There wasn't a strategy. Like, there wasn't a clear strategy on like what we're doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing. So uh, that's what I want to fix for the next time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same kind of concept as, uh, you know, they always say that in a landing page, never have, you know, like multiple different offers there, or multiple, multiple different directions. Or, you know, if you're really trying to get direct response, you don't ever run to a homepage of a website. Why is that? Well, there's too many options for someone to click off, right? The, the objective is not really clear. And so inside of your content, what most likely is happening is that your market's just not being told what to do. You know, they're there, you're putting the content in front of them, they're watching it, but there's really nothing driving them forward to take a step or to increase engagement or to actually start converting on something for you. Um, so if it was me and I was trying to actually get more objective out of it, it always comes, to, always comes down to what is the actual objection of that or objective of that video or that campaign that you're actually running. If it's not clear and you're just sending people to a YouTube video and then that YouTube video is good content but it doesn't tell them what to do next, that's most likely where your gap is. From a conversion standpoint though, because sometimes you can have content where it does feel like you're giving them a CTA or telling them what to do. Um, a lot of times, it, what, even what we realize inside of Heman X right now, for example, um, it was like we're running into that thing of like, we feel like we're probably sounding like everyone else, right? Because everyone else in our competitor market is probably saying the same thing, get better results from ads, do this unique thing, get better results from ads, right? And so we just started asking ourselves the questions. It's like, okay, well, you know, one night I was just trying to think of like, if our main goal is just to make sure the right people are on our list, like that's our main objective, is just to increase the quality of person joining our list, well then we need to stop saying the same thing as everyone else and what else would our market want? So for example, uh, inside of the program, you know, for let's say the agency niche, it's like, well, what else do agency owners think about outside of ads? Well, I think if they're an owner, they're thinking finances, they're thinking client tracking, they're thinking of how to um, track, uh, track the retainers across different clients. How do owners manage when you, know, you have clients, some are doing well, some are doing bad, so that maybe they have a client management system. Um, they probably need uh, revenue trackers, ad spend trackers for their own company. And so what we did was just, we now created this product, this now lead magnet of, uh, it's a CEO dashboard of the different spreadsheets we use internally in our agency to manage things, manage clients, manage staff, media bar overhead, media bar performance, stuff like that. And now what we've had, it's only been running about two weeks, but now we did the math this morning. It's like around 60% of our leads coming in that are free, by the way, uh, we're paying $5.58 per lead, Isaac. $5.58 per lead, and 60% of the leads on that list, their agencies make over $20,000 a month for free. Holy crap. So start thinking about it in your business. It's like, okay, fit pros want to make money, but what else do they have to worry about? What else can you bring to them that your competitors aren't bringing because everyone's just focusing on that one core desire? If you just want to fill the list with the right people, we'll just start asking yourself what would the right people want outside of your core offer. It's a great way to sound different. What else? Anything else? You guys got to challenge me. This stuff is easy.
<laughs> you wanted it, huh? I dangled the carrot long enough. You guys want to go through it? Let's go. But wait, there's more. No, just kidding. I don't I really work this question out, but uh, what do you guys do in terms of like um, making sure that when your clients come on board, they have proper attribution set up, like analytics, like what are you guys doing there? Like, I guess that would help kind of. Yeah. So uh, for agency side or? Just well, so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we, we do a lot of SEO and, you know, over the years, I've just noticed that, you know, we've gotten clients to a year point, which is like, you know, in, in SEO, that's you know, you want people to stay around at least a year, but yeah. they'll get to a year and like, then it's like, well, um, for, for here's a, an example. We had a client, uh, called, uh, Pip Lancets and they sold diabetic Lancets and, um, we got their, um, SEO from zero brand new website to 68,000 a month in traffic in 10 months. And they quit, but we knew that like we were watching all the analytics that we had, you know, what we had. Yeah. And there were people buying and getting retarded, like they're coming on getting retargeted and coming back and buying. Yeah. And they just didn't believe that was happening. And, um, I mean, it was 68,000 targeted people on the website per month. I mean, that's like a lot of people. And so they were, you know, they just didn't believe it, I guess. And, and so we were like, okay, now we got to go back to the drawing board. We're going to make sure everybody has analytics set up, tracking proper. When we start, put them, put them in the driver's seat. That way they can see all of it. And then, when they say, Hey, this is not happening. We say, Hey, yeah, it is. Look. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You pretty much kind of nailed it actually for us. It's, it's, it's a part of onboarding is getting access to all of that they're doing there. And if they don't have access, that's a part of our first step is getting that stuff implemented. Um, because you know, even on a, just a Google analytics level, it's better than nothing. You know, the hard thing right now with tracking is that no matter what you have, it's, it's pretty unreliable. Realistically, I don't care what software you use. It's pretty unreliable. I've, yeah, it's, it's not good. None of them. Um, but it's better than nothing. And so making sure that's set on the pre- preface of it or the preframe of it as a part of the onboarding is even doing a QC check on that. But then every week it's consistently referring back to it. As long as you get them to buy in that there is some level source of truth, which is actually the question in your intake that it should be is like, what do you use as your source of truth? Mm-hmm. Because at our agency, we'll use anything they want. I don't care if you use Hyros or analytics or whatever, like we'll use your source of truth. But as long as we've confirmed that that is the source of truth going forward, that's what we're going to reflect back on. And more importantly, that's how we're going to base decisions. Right. So it's putting the pressure on them too, to make sure that it's an accurate source of truth. Or if nothing else, at least at the end of the day, they and you are both going to agree. It is a source of truth we'll use, but it's not perfect. Um, so it's really all about what you do on the front end. Actually, dude, side note for you is that's a perfect front end offer for yourself. If you're a company trying to increase in SEO and you don't have proper tracking in place, you have no hope and no chance. Get this free thing and do it. And now you're creating customers that are naturally just coming to you with it done. How often do you run into the case where they have like next to nothing set up properly? Not so much anymore. Um, in the beginning we do, um, you know, now we, we do work with uh, the clients that are coming our way are much more uh, further along typically. Um, but uh, in the beginning, that there was a lot that that were like that that just didn't have anything set up. And so it typically is. It's all again about expectation because I'm fine if you're fine with not having any tracking. But also, like we're going to agree right now that then anything we're doing going forward is guessing. 
you're good with that. I'm good with that too. Right. But we have to agree on that on the front end because in two months from now, we're not going to have this conversation where, oh, I can't trust that. We all know it's broken. It's like, well, we agreed on that in the beginning. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. On behalf of people who have asked me this question, but I would like to get your answer. Um, now that you are in charge of multiple different companies, which means also multiple different teams, how do you balance um, adapting to what each team needs while also staying true to who you are and what you stand for? I think I'm still figuring that out, honestly. Uh, I think I'm still figuring out the, the balance between, or not even balance, I, I don't think it should be balance. I think that's a problem. The priority between giving the team what they need and then being what I need to be. Um, and so in the beginning, I was trying to be all things to all people on every level, uh, on every level. I was trying to, to nurture and, and really be alongside uh, as many people as I could. Um, and I still think that's incredibly important in building a good organization. For now, though, I think it, it comes down to clarity and proactivity. Um, meaning if there is a certain way that I believe is, is beneficial for me to perform, but at the current moment, the needs of the company, um, require a different activity. I've got to get really good at communicating on the front end to the team so that they, they know that expectation and then they, they can see that coming. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, there is the core values of the company has to always remain the thing. Right. And inside of, you know, our companies, we always know it's a very important core value that the company always has to come first. It has to come first. If I'm putting my team first, I have to put the company first. If us as business owners, you know, we get the saying all the time of like uh, people over profit. Right. Which is amazing. It sounds great. Like I love that on a Hallmark card. It, it, it sounds so good. But without profits, there is no company. Without profits, there is no team. And if I'm a leader who says I'm a leader of conviction and, and humility and passion and I love my team, then I am a terrible CEO if I allow extreme bloat and loss inside of a company, um, even though it's so painful. But it's actually because you love the team so much that you must put company first. And so as a, as a leader, when you're prioritizing, at the end of the day, you have to always ask the question first of what does my company need? Not what does my team need? What does the company need? And as soon as you can find the path to figuring out what the company needs, then most of the time, what the team needs is almost right alongside of it, right? So I think it's really important too for us to, to remember that what the company needs will change over time. What the company needs in a time of winning is different than what the company will need in a time of losing or a time of stagnation, right? we were talking about this earlier this week of like sometimes as a CEO, you can lose passion and energy for your company simply because of the fact that you haven't had a challenge in front of you. And in a realistic scenario, sometimes that actually means that the leader has spent so much time maintenancing the team that he or she have lost their inner drive that actually created the company in the first place. And at that point, you've got to ask yourself as a CEO, what does my company need? And at that point, it actually needs a, someone who is headstrong diving into a problem. Now, flip side, though, when a company is starting to do well, what a company actually needs to start is a, a leader builder. When you're in a moment of high profits or things are going well, you need to start building the foundation for the long term. And this is where it comes into like what Taylor was talking about is that when you have a successful person on the team, 
You've got to build a company around that person or get, empower them to grow and build out a vision. But that can only ever happen if the company currently has what it needs and now in your, you're in a place of seeding for the future. You're sowing seed for the future. But you've also got to remember that if you sow, 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 and you never harvest and you never plow that field, it's still going to die. So, um, you know, I think it's consistent reflection overall for what does the company need and then trying to adapt to that and then finding leaders that also understand that. Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you balance then the, I don't like the word balance, how do you uh, confront the challenge of then like Heman is going to need a different version of you than Traffic and Funnels and Sales Mentor than Heman X and, you know, all of that. How do you uh, kind of confront that challenge? Of like uh, it needing different things? Yeah, and how do you prioritize uh, if you have to be a different person for that? Is it like, okay, from this time of the day, I'm this person? Um, like how do you kind of work with that difference? I don't know if should, it should ever get to a point where you're needing to be a different human or a different person or you know, kind of show up differently. Um, what builds a great company in the beginning is still going to be what builds a great company in the end. Um, example, you know, I, I love the book, uh, you know, what got you here won't get you there, right? It's a great book. And there's a lot of great principles around that because we have to adapt what we do. What got us here, tactically speaking, from zero to 100,000 is probably not what's going to take you to 20 million or 50 million, right? However, I think sometimes we think when we hear that word that we must be different or the core that brought us there is different, but I don't think that stuff actually changes. And in fact, I would almost say sometimes we need to check ourselves of going, what parts were we actually always doing that we're no longer doing? Because that's typically what we actually do is like leaders start something a certain way and then eventually they get to a point where they no longer do that. And that's when teams start to break down and companies start to break down because the true core of what makes you amazing or the true core of what made that team amazing or that company amazing actually went away. And that's what actually started breaking things down. And so I think it's actually a consistency into who you are. Um, and that's what's actually going to drive you forward. When it comes to like just prioritizing daily tasks and, and meetings and, and where focus is, that just comes down to project management and prioritization. You know, what's the most important thing that we need to do? What are the actual needles that are going to move us across the line? And that, that's going to ebb and flow. But I think actually more of a consistency of I better not be showing up in one company one way and showing up in one company another way. I think that's actually the, the, the slippery slope to failure. Anything else? No? I've got an off-the-wall yeah. question, maybe. Um, everybody and their mom wants to launch a podcast, right? So I feel like that format for me is a more natural fit to be able to, to create content. And I'm kind of questioning whether or not that's a route I should take to be able to create distributable content that might be engaging uh, versus me like hopping on video every day and trying to figure out what I want to say. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on that path as a content and top of funnel uh, strategy to get exposure and reach in today's market and in the next few years? So, um, the direct outcome that you're looking for is just reach. Is that right? Okay. And how long are you expecting to do this thing to get that reach? If I had it my way, I would do it forever. 
like I, I love business. I'm absolutely in love with it. Uh, I have a way to kind of crack open a business and get inside some of the questions that a lot of people would have. And as I continue to build my network and reach, you know, building contacts of people that I think are interesting to figure out what they're doing inside their companies. And uh, so for me, it would be a long-term thing. Love it. So that's a great answer. Um, for a lot of the, the nuanced new marketing things that uh, are coming out, uh, the biggest caution is, is we can typically see when a, a, a thought leader or an influencer starts doing something, you just see a trickle down of everyone else doing it. And what they're all assuming is like, if I just do everything they do, then I become them. And that's not accurate. Um, so when it comes to like podcasts, I'd say if your expectation is the long term, which it sounds like it is, and this is something that is for fun for you, then why not do it, right? But the problem is when people jump into, let's say, doing a TikTok every day or a reel every day or a podcast and they go, where's my money? <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. If you want money like that, you should be, it's conversations. How do you produce more conversations? But when it comes to marketing vehicles that do not specifically produce conversations, it has to always be a long-term play. Um, and if it's easy for you and it's fun for you, then do it. The only problem is when people will neglect the actual revenue-producing activities because they do this because, well, if I produce a TikTok, I don't actually have to talk to anyone on the phone. Or if I do a podcast, uh, then that means I don't have the, uh, the feedback of people saying I actually suck or saying no to me, right? And so they actually just use that stuff to act like they're doing activities when they're actually needing money and just to get on the phones. But if you're not needing it and you're saying this, this is a long-term play, 1,000% you should do it and you should have done it as early as you can, as long as you can be consistent. Yeah. Last question. Do you have a recommended resource for how to, the whole process for doing that correctly? Like there's editing and there's distribution and all that. Is that something that you or I already have training for? Or? For podcasts, Colin, do we? Yeah. Easy. So connect with Colin, he'll get it over to you. But you know, the internal content production inside of uh, you know, EW is pretty extensive. We're doing about 90 to 100 posts a week. Uh, and it's relatively low friction for us. Um, and so, yes, yeah, connect with Colin, he'll hook you up with it. Cool. What else? Nothing? Cool. Let's jump in. Let's put up the slides on here. Sweet. Awesome. Are you guys excited for this? I'm like really excited for this. A little bit louder than that. Come on. Show me an exercise here. Are you excited? There we go. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Everyone get up on your feet and we'll have mini trampolines and you can all jump up and down and Wim Hof. It'll be amazing. Uh, we'll have an ice bath in the back. It'll be great. So I'm really excited to, to present this to you. Um, you know, if you guys don't know my story, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it because basically I've got to experience an insane amount of uh, insight in just a short period of time. I, I jumped to, it was actually funny because someone talked to me about this today or not today, but this week, uh, it was kind of like, what is your journey into marketing? And a lot of people don't really know that. Um, my journey into marketing started when I was 16 years old. Um, I was, uh, there was a buddy, I was actually sweeping the, the floors of a, uh, like a kind of a construction based company. And I was kind of just their floor sweeper, you know, get the dust off the floor. Anyway, I had a friend uh, that was like, Hey man, you know, I, I, I work for this older lady in her garage. Uh, and she, you know, we ship out cell phone parts on eBay and, uh, we kind of need some help. Um, would you come over after school and just help with me? I was like, sweet. 
I could stop sweeping a floor and just work with one of my best friends now. So I started working for this company, and uh, like I said, they sold cell phone parts on eBay. So think like they, we were selling to like repair shops and wholesalers and things like that. Anyway, this company started growing pretty quickly. Um, you know, a few months into it, we started opening up, uh, you know, a retail store for it where we kind of brought the operation. Um, and uh, that company continued to grow and grow and grow. And long story short, you know, probably about a year into it, we were starting to hit a million dollars a month in revenue. So all of a sudden from literally this old lady's garage to now a retail store and now we're doing quite a few orders and uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of like, hey, Ashton, we need a marketing director at this point. You know, you, you've been here the longest, literally. Uh, do you want to be the marketing director? So 16 years old, and I'm like, heck yeah, that sounds awesome. I had no idea what marketing was, but director sounded awesome in my title, right? And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I remember going to Barnes and Noble that day and I picked up my first two books on marketing and it was Jab, Jab, Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, Marketing for Dummies. And I went to Barnes and Noble, right? Back when people used to still go there. And uh, this company started growing really fast. Long story short, Three and a half years later, uh, I get a, a job opportunity. Another company had heard about our growth uh, because at this point, this company was doing $3.2 million a month in revenue. We were sending out about 1,000 orders a day out of this warehouse now that we had gotten. And uh, we were the second largest exporter out of the city uh, next to Bass Pro, which in Springfield, Missouri, that's where Bass Pro's headquarters is. So like literally every day, a semi-truck would come to the warehouse. And, and at my time, uh, you know, I had built every aspect of that company because I started in the garage as just a packager, and then we moved into customer service, and I started running the customer service, and then I started managing the warehouse, and then I started managing marketing. And, and because the company's partner lived in China, um, I worked all day. You know, at 17 years old, I was already living an entrepreneurial life because I would work straight from school to about 6.30, but then around that time, China wakes up. So I'd be up all night communicating with China to, to manage the logistics and all that kind of stuff. And here I am as a, an 18-year-old kid getting paid $28,000 a year, uh, but managing this you know, $3.2 million a month company alongside of the owner. It's ironic, actually, if you have your phones, I encourage you to check it out because it's always fun to see people's eyes when they see this. But look up Flash Technologies, Springfield, Missouri. Let me know. Just someone give me a laugh when you hear it or you see it. <laughs> I was like, that was fast. He's on 6G. Nope. Scroll down a little bit, you'll see a nice little letter from the Department of Justice. <laughs> woman arrested, Nixon woman arrested for $80 million in counterfeit sales. Oh, 90, sorry. Yeah. So this little project that I had got to learn as an 18-year-old kid, uh, I had got to test every idea in the marketing that I could think of. Because they were making so much money that any idea they ha I had, they were like, yeah, why not? You know, whatever. You know? <laughs> they had got done this in like two, three years. And so anyway, moved on. Another company uh, uh, actually heard about that happening two years after I left, <laughs> which was pretty crazy. Apparently, they were making so much money at some point, they built their own factories in China and they were sending their parts, if that makes sense. So anyway, go from there. I was a marketing director for another company, and then in Seattle, I started working for an agency and got really, really large ad spend uh, with companies like you know, Google and Dell and started getting to manage really big campaigns. And then that's when I became an intern at Traffic and Funnels. And then from there forward is the story that most people know. 
But I say all that because I've been around for a long time in the marketing space. I've got to see a lot of different businesses and how they run traffic from the Fortune 500 companies, the, the top five tech companies, down to the entrepreneurial startup, nothing in the bank, how do we make this work? And I'm really excited to present this to you guys because this game of entrepreneurship is so powerful. And I really believe what we're building here at Evans and Welch, Traffic and Funnels, ultimately Upper Echelon, will become one of the biggest and the most well-known and most influential entrepreneur and business builder groups in the entire world. I'm going to show you guys why. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Starting off, it's really important to know where we're going. The reason I love jumping into this project is because I saw where the market is going, where you guys are moving, the e-learning space. You can see in 2016, when everyone thought it was at the height of the market, that's the Sam Ovens, that's the Ty Lopez's coming to the scene, that's the traffic and funnels, and Taylor and Chris coming to the scene, $46 billion. Fast forward to today, $243 billion. It's estimated by 2026, the market will be at $400 billion. In a world where everyone else is talking about scarcity, Oh, man, it's harder to get clients. CACs are going up. It's getting saturated. It's not. It's growing at an exponential rate, so much so you're seeing institutions wanting to get into the game. You don't see numbers like that unless large institutions want to play. And so we're seeing on one of the greatest opportunities of all human history to create your own business online, to show other people expertise, and that's what we're in the middle of, right? And so when I see market growth like that, it's never about will this company survive or will we make it or will clients ever have a chance? It's actually, how do we stay ahead of it? How can we be the light here? Because while more people get into the market, it doesn't get more saturated. It actually just, it becomes harder to figure out who knows what they're doing and who doesn't. That's the only difference, right? And so what we wanted to do here in this group and with you guys is how do we become that place where you get access to so much insight, so much data, that you can stay ahead of the game and know actually how to operate it because if you can do that one piece, you've never had opportunity to have success and have the life that you want than ever before, ever, right? You can see here, even attention growth, right? A lot of what we do here in, uh, in this mastermind and obviously what you guys do to get clients is through digital marketing, social media, right? And even here, you can see that's not going anywhere either. In 2022, the average amount spent worldwide was set as 147 minutes. Two, hours, two and a half hours, basically. Up 63% than in the last 10 years. Millennials are now 3.8 hours per day. Gen Z, which is going to be the one that takes the next largest buying power in the entire world, has gone to 4.5 hours per day that they are on it. Per day. So if you can learn how to effectively use those tools, insane opportunity ahead of you, right? Here's why it's cool. Unparalleled insights, because at... Obviously, traffic and funnels is what we're at here, but what I am a part of and what I lead is so much bigger that collectively, there's never another mastermind in the entire space that I know of that has the same level of insights that we have. In the agency, in the last 12 months, we've managed over $35 million in advertising spend with an average return of 480%, meaning we've generated just in our agency alone $165 million in revenue for our clients in the last 12 months. 
In Traffic and Funnels, we've created over 600 offers. At Sales Mentor, we have over 10,000 hours in tracked sales call insights and data. For our internal brands alone, across the board, we've generated over 7,500 consults, over $20 million in revenue, over 2,000 clients, and over 456,000 followers on social media. Insane data. So let me ask you a question. Are you tired of coaching programs that don't work around your schedule? Do you ever feel like just one of a hundred other faces on a Zoom screen? Welcome to the ultimate six-month high-ticket mastermind park pass. And this is what I'm excited to unveil to you guys. Because what Upper Echelon is, is not one mastermind. It is the access for you guys as clients to get access to all of my companies and all of my brands. Not the insights of just one traffic and funnels company. How do we create BSLs and convert people into high-ticket clients? It is all of the insights that we are using. Oops. All of the insights and the data that we're using inside of HemanX, the marketing, you get access to all of it. You get access to all of the things that we do inside of Sales Mentor. You will get access to the brand new HQ program, which is the new flagship traffic and funnels mastermind that is 11 months long. You get access to all the insights and data that we do consistently through Heman Media as we manage top level clients, clients that you all know of. Clients that are on the Fortune 500 and Eek 5000s, that's what you guys get really access to. Because when I thought about what did we want to actually build, why is it actually upper echelon? Is it upper echelon because it's a cool name? Do people call their masterminds a lead or seven-figure mastermind or whatever they call it? Is it a cool name or does it actually represent something? And what we wanted to build was a true mastermind where the top entrepreneurs get insight. Not just a cool mastermind because it's a cool name, but not just the, mass, or the clients themselves being upper echelon, but the mastermind itself being unlike anything else. And no other company or mastermind can provide that level of insight because they don't have the brands that do it. So inside of this six-month park pass, I want you to think about the idea, you know, you guys know what park passes is, right? You, get, you pay one fee, you get to go to any park you want. In the Ultimate Park Pass, you get the access to go to any of the company programs. You get access to all of it, access to the calls, six-month access to HemanX, six-month access to Sales Mentor, six-month access to HQ, six-month access to the arena, and then the fun part. The purpose, of, we were talking about this earlier, the purpose of a, of a mastermind should never be able to help equip you where you are. The purpose, the true purpose of a mastermind to be to help you get to where you want to go. And a lot of masterminds just focus only on the tactics, right? But as you guys are growing your companies, what you need is not just the tactics, it's actually infrastructure. It's growth. And so a part of the upper echelon mastermind is what you guys get is unlimited recruiting for media bars and unlimited recruiting for salespeople. Inside of HemanX right now, if you came to us and you weren't a part of the, the mastermind, uh, you, you said, hey, I need a media buyer, the price is $15,000. If you came to Sales Mentor right now and said, hey, I need a salesperson, the price is $7,500. But what we wanted to do is not just give you access to the programs that we sell for HemanX 12.5K, Sales Mentor $9,800, but also how can we equip your teams to grow? How can we equip you as a company to build out infrastructure, but not just place people, obviously, because the cool thing is when you're with us for six months, we're with you the entire time, training the media bars, developing the media bars, the salespeople, developing. We're not going anywhere. And then we get to help continually add 
the more and more you grow inside of your company. So the no BS breakdown, this is the actual retail amounts that we sell all of these programs for and all of these services, like I said. 12.5K for one media or one person in Human X, 9,800 for Sales Mentor, 15K for HQ, uh, 297, I believe, is the subscription cost. I guess on that one, forgive me if I'm off by 100 bucks. I think it's like 297. Uh, and then Human X Recruiting, per placement, 15K, 7,500 per placement for Sales Mentor. But also inside of Upper Echelon, you will get a live coaching call every single month with Taylor. You'll get a live coaching call with me every single month. And then every single quarter, uh, this is actually on a first come first serve basis, uh, but you will be able to fly out to our office and an entire day will be focused on you one-on-one. -on -one. What I mean is in the morning, you will focus in two uh, sides of the department, your operations side and your CS side. And then in the afternoon, we flip and you're working with your marketing and we're working with your sales. And you get direct access one-on-one -on -one the entire day as a part of Upper Echelon, which is a unique aspect that I always saw missing in, in masterminds, namely because it takes a lot of time to do that. And it's very expensive. But imagine what would happen if for an entire day we're focused only on you. Imagine what I could do if I was focused on you for even just half a day. But I wanted the clients to be able to have a chance to get that custom unique support so that when they go back and they're hiring or they're implementing trainings, they have perfect clarity because they've gained it because of that one-on-one -on -one experience. We also are doing private mansion masterminds. This is a, uh, a thing they actually used to do in Upper Echelon when it originally launched. The concept is, why don't we always just, uh, you know, I always like smaller masterminds. I don't know about you guys, but I like that intimate side of it. And what they used to do was fly people out, and we would spend, get a really awesome house. Fits 25, 30 people. Uh, we all sleep there. We hang out. It's a dope spot. But then we have three days of intimate, private coaching. Um, but then you get to do cool things. Like, for example, one time they went to Park City. Spend the half-day masterminding together. We bring out really, really cool insights uh, and cool speakers and people to engage. But then why not spend the afternoon skiing together, going on snowmobiles? So that's also a part of this program itself. This is typically the cost if you didn't count any of this. If you didn't count any of that, that would be the no BS retail price, $37,597. Before I go forward, is there any confusion on the value that this mastermind could bring? Uh-oh. Scale of one to 10, where do you think this place is at? compared to what you know on the market today? What do you think? Five, two, nine? What do you guys think? I'm not, I'm not changing the slide, I'm just chilling. <laughs> what? No, you can go above 10. You guys might need some mindset stuff. Quick. Cool. Here's what I know. When it comes to building in and recruiting and training entrepreneurs and media buyers, I've got the chance to help build a lot of companies and be the behind the scenes of a lot of companies. The true difference that I've seen when it comes to making it and not making it 
or being able to spend 10 minutes with someone and your business changed forever. I don't know if you guys have ever had that moment, but I've, I've had that moment where it's like you spend just like 10 minutes, a 10 minute conversation and it changes the entire direction of your business. What do you guys think comes down to that level of change? Like why do you think that someone could spend 10 minutes on your business and change it forever when you've been kind of like working at it for a long time? What do you think the difference is? They can see things you can't see. Mm. Experience perspective, seeing things you can't see. I agree. I think it's because of the insight that someone's had, the, the toiling that someone has had, that really allows you to leapfrog it, right? Charlie Munger always says, I would rather learn vicariously through the mistakes of others than learning them myself, right? I would rather, rather leapfrog the experience, the pains, the struggles, and the wins to collapse that time and be able to get the insight that I need. And what I wanted to build was a machine that allowed people to tap into uh, insights that they would never be able to do. Right now at Heman Media alone, we manage over $5 million a month in ad spend. That gives us an insane amount of data. Right now inside of Heman X, we get to train businesses in all different kinds of niche and verticals, dealing with marketing problems and insights that you just wouldn't be able to get to experience anywhere else. And not just in the coaching space, but e-commerce, SaaS, B2B, brick and mortar. It's across the board. And then in traffic and funnels, we have a unique ability to bring in clients that are in the high ticket and expert service industry. And we get to service them a lot. But also at the same time, I myself get the unique ability because I manage four different brands in different verticals and industries. And I'm facing problems that no one else can really say that they face. Right? And so what we wanted to do is create the machine that allowed people to do that. And not just that, but help support them along the way. And so what we're going to be doing, uh, as you guys can see, this is the program. What this program's cost is essentially going to be is, is, is around, actually, right here. $77,000 is what you would pay to get just one media buyer, one salesperson, and the programs itself by themselves. Now, this program itself is going to launch uh, specifically to the public in about a month. Uh, about a month, we're going to be rolling out Upper Echelon, and that price will start at $35,000 for the beta. Once we get uh, people into the beta itself, uh, then we'll be essentially ascending the price itself. Uh, as you guys probably already know, if you've done the math on any of the recruiting itself, this mastermind should be around $60,000. About $60,000 if you're doing pretty decent. What I wanted to do here, because I'm very aware of, I guess, the experience of the journey that some of you might have had so far. Not great. I'm not someone who shies away from it. I can see it from the comments. As I can hear it in conversations. So what I wanted to do um, was really show my favor in towards it. And so what we did when I first came into the companies is you guys already know we extended your uh, membership to Upper Echelon uh, and into Upper Echelon through the end of the year for free, right? But what I wanted to do itself was also how can I give them an opportunity to really get what they need now and the infrastructure they need now to actually build their business to where they want to go? And so the offer that I have today and the timer you can throw up right now. Oh, that was quick. You guys are fast. Right now, if you want inside of Upper Echelon, and meaning I'm already going to give you through the end of the year inside of Upper Echelon. Now, it doesn't give you access to the events. It doesn't give you access to Flying Fridays or the recruiting. It gives you access to the memberships and the programs themselves. But if you want, and if you think you can actually grow and develop, and you would like someone who can help you leapfrog those mistakes, those obstacles, but more than anything else, help you also equip your team so you can grow and actually live the life you want, and you want that, 
What I'll offer to you guys for the remaining period that is on that screen now is if you want in it, I will extend your upper echelon membership into June for only 25,000 and you can start recruiting immediately. So we're gonna take $10,000 off the beta because I think upper uh, elite members is kind of my tribe. Remembering I was an intern at Traffic and Funnels before I was ever CEO. So this is my tribe. If you wanna be with us, that means technically speaking, that's about what, eight months? Six plus through the end of the year? Eight months of upper echelon, unlimited recruiting, all the program accesses, the fly-in Fridays, the one-on-one -on -one meetings with our team, and then the live calls with me and Taylor for 25K. Now, some of you might be, when I drop that price, it's gonna feel, I don't know, maybe different. You don't know how to feel. But what I want you to lean into, and what I've actually been really excited um, to kind of watch over the past few days of watching you guys engage. The world is entirely what we make it. Remember that we talked about that this is your game. This is the game that you want to play. And so what I'm actually more of saying than anything is, I don't, ex I don't need anyone to take this. This is actually more for if you are a, a entrepreneur who has felt like you maybe needed a new challenge. Or maybe you felt like you're playing this game the way it's not yours. Maybe you've been playing the game the way you feel like you've been supposed to be playing this game. And so what I just wanted to do was create an opportunity of if you are someone who wants to make this your own game and you see the value in it, you can take it up. Because I want you guys to be able to have that opportunity. So just let me know. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to submit anything. Just come find me if you think this is interesting or you just want to talk more about it. Um, this thing will, whoa, this thing will fill up um, regardless. So that's it. This is kind of like a, a testament to not only old traffic and funnels, but what I think we're becoming and what the team is becoming. Uh, and first off, can we give a round of applause to the team that has helped put this together? Sam, Corby, Tiffany, the, uh, we have Megan, we have Kathy. Where, where did Kindle? Kindle, there we are. Kindle and Kylie. Where's Kylie at? I have no idea. Oh, there you are, right there in front of me. But let's give him a round of applause because this is not easy. This is hard. Go ahead and give him a round of applause. This has been fun. This has been really fun. Um, and I really don't like, if you can tell, there's no anchor points here. What hopefully is coming across more than anything is just raw. It's not practiced. This pitch deck was created a while ago. But I'm here for you guys if you guys need it. And our companies are too. The coolest thing is just more than anything, we've created the machine that allows us to give more insight than any other mastermind could. And that's what is offered to you. Cool? Cool. Cool. What's next? We're done? Nothing else? Cool. In that case, go ahead and throw up my Venmo QR code. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, cool. Well, then, guys, I mean, that's it. We're going to be pretty much wrapping up here. Um, actually, do you guys mind if I ask some questions? No. Yeah? Cool, because I'm always curious. I'm a marketer by nature, so I want to know. First off, what do you think is missing in Elite as you know it? 
I'm looking at you. Oh, yeah. I know you got feelings. As you know it. Yeah, exactly. As you know it. Yep. Cool. Love it. Anything else? Or just masterminds in general. Oh, yeah. Tiffany, that's right up your alley. You want to talk about a little bit what you have in mind? Hey. So most of you um, joined previous to about March or April of this year. So for anyone who took advantage of the deliverables that we rolled out earlier this year, which I see a couple of you. Uh, I know I've spoken with Ryan, Matt quite a bit, um, John quite often. So what we've done now for that very reason that you're just talking about is I've created like a resource center that really breaks down different areas and aspects of your business so that we can focus on exactly what you need, right? So we have tools to help you audit your business from a lead generation standpoint, marketing, client acquisition, et cetera. And then we have very specific tools and resources that help you not only take um, your goals, but identify what pieces of content and what tools you need to actually implement the changes that you need to see to optimize those areas of your business. Um, so those in conjunction with what every other week, we have the opportunity to meet one-on-one -on -one. Um, it was started out with myself and with Lee, who was doing ads. Lee's not here anymore, but now we have Ashton and access to all of the members on his team as well. So if you need ads help, we can get you ads help. If you need marketing assistance, sales, CS, ops, whatever it is, 
we now have the team members in place as well as the tools and resources and the content to help you execute on your vision. So yeah. it's definitely a lot more structured than it was when you first enrolled, you know? So like Ashton said, we may not have had the best experience, but we've definitely been very diligent about identifying what the bottlenecks and where the ball's been dropped before. And we've put specific strategies, processes in place um, to, to mitigate those things. Yeah. Yeah. What well, was really cool is because when we were, you know, trying to design the upper echelon side, you know, one, one of my things was kind of two sides. Like one, as, as a business owner, we're busy. And, and I know even for me, uh, if there's a call every day or every other day or multiple, I'm not showing up realistically. I'm busy. I got things to do. But what I do need is directional certainty. And so I need to be the ability to hop on with someone who's at a high level like me and helps me problem solve. But then what I also wanted to create was the ability of like, when you do have tactical things or someone on your team has tactical things, how could they be a part of that? And so, you know, a part of the being a part of the park pass is actually being able to access all the calls across the organizations. Inside of HQ, there is two calls that happen every day. Some are on sales, some are on ops copy. Inside of HumanX, we have three calls per week. And inside of Sales Mentor, we have a call happening about every day. And so I wanted the ability of like when a business owner has a problem and, they, and it's more of a tactical problem that they have the ability to join any of the program calls and get the expert advice or the ability to send one of your media bars or your director of marketing into the call to get that coaching aspect. But for me as an owner, I want directional certainty and that can only be answered through high level calls with me or with Taylor. And that's why we included in the program. So it was pretty cool of not just getting access. It's not like just getting a Kajabi access. It's full on inside of the program. It's pretty sweet. Any other questions about the program? Just FYI for everyone else stepping out because I have a call right now. <laughs> She's I'm pissed. This is stupid. <laughs> Any questions on the program before we wrap up? Community engagement. Uh, so we left uh, Facebook and went to Telegram, which everything dissolves. Yeah. Like it's impossible to follow a conversation on there. Um, is that going to be addressed? Or Yeah, absolutely. So right now, actually, we're um, looking at bringing communication into Circle um, inside of one of our programs, uh, inside of HumanX specifically. We're looking to kind of test that out and see how the market responds. But realistically, um, like HQ, for example, is starting in Facebook because we want to be able to test the, the software itself because I think community is one of the largest aspects of a mastermind going well. Um, it's, it's the meeting of minds in the crossover. Um, uh, yeah, Telegram is, is definitely, in, in my opinion, not a great effective way of doing it. Um, but we're looking at bringing it into circle to where it can be one place where we go live, where things are being archived, where events are easily scheduled. The application gives notifications. Um, but, you know, Corby uh, is going to be our main man uh, when it looks to driving engagement and driving communication and bringing accountability uh, inside of the community itself. But absolutely, I think it's a, it's a massive part of it. Um, it. The community aspect can't be a something on the side that's kind of like there if you need help. Uh, we can all email into support if we need that, but community is huge, yeah. So I wanted to give you a little bit of feedback on some of the things that I've found positive out of Elite in an effort to make sure that none of it's ever lost in translation going into upper echelon. Because what I found most valuable for, for uh, Elite and then for Gold for me 
is every three months it forces me out of my business, takes me to a new place, and all I'm doing for three days is thinking about my business. And then you guys bring in different contexts that cause me to think about my business in a little bit different way. And then I walk away and the next three months completely change for me, right? And so, um, so that's a big piece of it. And so, I mean, I like you guys having regular events and then the people element as well, right? Being able to come here, meet, mingle, like, you know, some, some of the relationships have been life-changing, right? And, and biz, absolutely business-changing. And so um, make sure that that's still a really important. I love all the coaching. I love being able to jump on calls and triage stuff. When I'm in my business, though, I don't always identify the things that I identify when I'm here yeah. uh, because I'm seeing things from a much different view of my business. And so um, just wanted to give you that feedback. I love and that. then I also will echo kind of what Gabriel said as well. Some of my struggles have been uh, from a content and coaching perspective. It's been a fire hose where you're then trying to figure out how do I get an ROI out of this? Where's the best place for me to start to get my ROI? Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's super important too, uh, because that's a common trap that happens in most, uh, or not most, but I'd say a lot of programs is just sometimes more isn't always better, right? And so that was why, realistically, Tiffany is her big role inside of the program itself is is the customized path. You be able to come in and set what are your six month projections at the end of this program being able to reverse engineer, and then being able to have people like Corby or Tiffany that can outline, this is where you're going first. Look at these modules in, these modules in, and then having those consistent touch points on where are we at as far as progress for it. What I don't want to do is make business owners feel like now all of a sudden they're being babied or you know being told what to do. But I do think it's a very important aspect of business to have accountability inside of it. And that's why people join is they want growth out of it. And so, you know, with Tiffany and Corby, that was really important for us to, to really make sure that we can have some kind of process or path that our clients can gain it whenever they need it and to get out of those weeds. You'd ask an interesting question, even other masterminds. Yeah. So I'm to be transparent, I'm a guest of Ryan's. And so this is my chance, first chance to get interactive with you guys. So I, I have a I guess a fairly unique perspective on, on what I've heard from the people that they've liked and, and haven't liked, but I definitely have experience with really high level masterminds in other groups. Um, I won't say who, but I'll just say big idea. Maybe you'll know what that means. But um, the challenge that I ran into with that is, you know, someone had mentioned earlier relevance. And when you're in different stages of your journey in a business, when you walk in and you're doing, you know, $750,000 a year and someone else is like hogging the mic talking about their $20 million problem, it can create a bit of a disconnect in relevance for that. They start feeling intimidated. And after a while, they start piping down. They don't want to say anything because my problems are too small. Do you guys have any ideas or have you thought of solutions around uh, building micro teams, micro communities that are in similar parts of their journey with their business that will allow you guys to more... Uh, adequately address their concerns as a group rather than just speaking to the whole group? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's so we, we did this internal facing side because one of the, the, the things that we were trying to figure out was like, how do we make sure that even like 
outside of just the customization, it's like how do we make sure that even if it's a big group, it feels small, like that you feel like you're getting that attention. And so really what we're doing internally is the ideas of cohorts and custom coaches. So every, you know, clients will have a specific coach that they will be connecting with and reporting to, even though they're inside of the organization or organism where it can feel big, but bringing that levels down to where specific clients are going with specific coaches based on the problems that they're experiencing, but also more importantly, the goals side, because I found when people with different goals are together, sometimes it can be too tempting to change your goal, even if that was what your goal should have been. And so for us, it's getting that connection, the intimate connection where the entire time you're in the program, you're with this one coach and one group of cohort. And that's how we're solving it internally. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Cause the, to Gabriel's point, you know, it's a fire hydrant. You got a buffet and there's more than you can eat. And there's more, it takes more time to consume it than it does, than you have to even be able to execute anyway. Yep. And then you have no direction as to where to go. So modular is great. So you can go to the problem you need to solve at the time without having to be on a track, but that, that becomes an issue. And then the other thing that I ran into was failure is always your fault, right? I gave you all this information. It's up to you to figure it out, right? Uh, so if you don't, it doesn't work, you did something wrong. We gave you good information. So you know, finding ways to hopefully through this cohort strategy would be a great way to be able to help people get back on track when they start to drift or get off target. Yeah, that's the thing is everyone inside of upper echelon specifically, not in HQ, but in upper echelon specifically, they have their entire like six month, what is it that we want out of this thing? And then I wish I could, I should have screenshotted that thing is beautiful, but uh, basically the entire dashboard that tracks every area of the business that we ourselves internally can use to check in, to fill in numbers, but then also make sure that when we're off pace, we can course correct. Last question. Yeah. I'm not currently in the program, but obviously I'm super intrigued. I've got a brand new product that I want to launch. You know, Brian's going to help us out. We've got another guy. Uh, it's really high level sales training for specifically for the in independent insurance niche. Mm. Uh, I think we're on a, sitting on a powder keg. I would love to be able to come in from scratch, build this product and launch it to a couple million dollars within the first two years, which I think is probably maybe even small, to be honest with you, in, in terms of what we could probably charge uh, and get to. What would be the best path into your program that would help me accelerate getting to that goal? Uh, would it be starting with the client kit and working my way through it, jumping straight into upper echelon and using your guys' guidance to do that? What do you feel like is the, the best way to approach that with your help? It's going to depend on speed that you want to do it. If, if it's faster, there's probably no better membership than Upper Echelon just because of this, the, you know, other than just the cool programs, but like the recruiting aspect is literally one thing that I don't think any other program will be able to replicate. And it's because I've built the flywheels already in my companies that allow us to go, our top customers can now utilize these services because they're already flywheels in my company that exist and are self-sustaining themselves. So if it's on the speed side, upper echelon, there's probably no quicker way to do it. Um, if you're trying to do it slower and you're really at ground zero with nothing else, HQ uh, is designed to really over 11 months help a business owner create all of the aspects of their business. Um, you guys want to hear a little about HQ? I don't want to ramble if you guys want to go and like drink and have food or something. Okay, HQ. So HQ I'm really excited about too. This is a passion project for me. Um, HQ is now an 11 month program where essentially we take people through what we're calling the Centurion Sprints. 
And the Centurion Sprints are designed to help a business lock in different pillars within their company, advertising, content, sales, products, right? And so each sprint is designed without, uh, with an outcome goal. Example, inside of Sprint 1, the, the concept is helping you build your first uh, virtual summit or a virtual summit itself. Whether you've done it before or you've never done it before, all of the trainings inside of it help you build out that summit. And basically, at the end of the, the goal of the, the purpose is to go through these sprints as fast or as slow as you want. But at the end of it, if you completed all six sprints, you're entered into the Centurion Circle, which every quarter we draw a centur someone who's inside of the Centurion Circle and they win $20,000. Um, and that's the idea of gamifying the participation and completing the pillars within your business that's actually required to win, right? The cool thing that, you know, when people are asking me, is like, what is the special thing that you guys train people on, right? Because you have some masterminds that are really specialized in the groups. Some are really specialized in the many chat or VSLs or low ticket items. But the difference is I've been the marketer behind a lot of the people that have created these strategies. And I've been the one executing on them. I've been the one showing and building these many chat funnels or the low ticket side. And so the benefit of getting access to me is not the, the uh, just you know, a cool name or different companies, it's I've built it all, right? And so what we kind of built out is a library of trainings on pretty much anything you can think of. A to Z on many chat funnels, A to Z on lead management funnels, A to Z on VSL funnels, everything, that, all the things that are working right now in the market today, we've created as a library. And then the library is essentially there to help you support, help support you in the sprint itself, right? It's directional coaching and, and what we're calling is kinetic coaching. It's not a program where we just give you the videos and you go implement. It's actually something where we're actively involved with the engagement or the sprint itself, the challenge, so that you can complete it. Because at the end of the day, entrepreneurship, getting good in business, is actually less about how creative or tactical your strategy is, how advanced it is. It's actually just consistency or doing the thing. You guys notice that? Like building a good business is actually less about how creative it is. It's just about doing the right thing consistently, right? And so what I wanted to build was a, a program that incentivized just action. Because if I can get you just to do the thing, I can make your company grow. I can double that company. So HQ is designed around the idea of we are creating the sprints and the challenges that now focus clients on what to do, and then we're giving you all the trainings to be able to do it, and then if you can do it, we're going to incentivize and reward you for doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So HQ <laughs> from ground zero would probably be the easiest if you're wanting longer, but if you really want to grow it faster and you actually think maybe in the next six to 12 months you can start hiring people, upper echelon by far. Easy. It's so expensive to recruit people. You guys ever try to recruit people from different companies? Their metrics are either 18% of their yearly salary or they do some kind of flat retainer at like fifteen dollars or $20,000. It's wild. It's crazy expensive. Anything else? What's your renewal cost after the first entry period at $25,000? We'll see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because realistically, you know, yeah, it's it, the mastermind itself, the, the, the value that it's going to be there, you know, I've been kind of, because I get to meet with a lot of these entrepreneurs, I get to kind of show them what we're working on. And, and their whole thing was to me, though, is it should be a minimum 50. There's no reason we should offer it under 50,000. Um, but it just depends. You know, the market always decides, right? What else? Anything else? Cool. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming out. 
It's been an absolute pleasure, you guys. 